vision for victory right now come on God wants to give you a vision for victory right now as we're singing come on I'm gonna see the victory come on some of you just need to worship and sing for a moment till you get a vision for victory in that thing the battle's the Lord's come on it's not your fight he's never lost a battle all things work for good come on it doesn't matter what they threw at you whose hand it came through what they said what they did what's your face come on even though it came from their hand it's got to go through God's hand to get to you and be turned to good and to his glory and to his purpose today come on get a vision for victory right now in that thing you've been fighting just get a vision for victory in your finances get a vision for victory in that dream or that marriage get a vision for victory get a vision for victory in that in that child's life get a vision right now come on you gotta see the victory to have the victory come on those that are for us are more than those that are for them come on open your eyes we're surrounded by an army of angels come on there's a victory in you there's a victory god has for you come on lord increase our faith increase our vision for victory open our eyes lord Open every eye that's shut right now to your power and your glory and your victory and your might and your good. It's your battle, God. Father, we believe. We believe we're going to see a victory, God. In every area that we've been battling, God, we believe for a victory, God. Give us the insight to see it so we might have the eyesight to have it. Lord, give us the insight to see it so we might have the eyesight to have it. Lord, let us see a victory. Give individuals in this room right now, prophetically, Lord, just by your spirit, give them vision for victory where they've been down, where they've been beat up, where they've failed over and over, maybe where maybe even in their own life, where they've been beating themselves up, God, where they've dropped the ball or messed up and they just feel like this is how it'll always be God give them a vision for victory this morning that you are God and there is no other you're God and there's none like you you'll have mercy on whom you'll have mercy thank you for your grace and your mercy today Lord none of us deserve you but you gave all of yourself to us so we just respond by giving all of our battle and all of our life and all of the victory back into your hands. We trust and believe today that what the enemy meant for evil, God, you're going to turn to good. Come on, whatever is evil coming after your life, God's turning it into good as we worship and get a vision for victory in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give one shout of victory to Jesus if you believe you're going to see victory in this place. Man, come on, I love seeing Travis jumping up and down on the guitar back there in the middle of worship. That's what victory looks like. You want to see what victory looks like? A guy jumping on the guitar playing guitar. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all just need to jump a little bit so you can see victory. Or maybe you need to somebody see somebody else seeing victory for their life so you can go, oh, wow, that's what victory looks like. That's why we worship together like this. That's why we do this as a, as a church and a family. It is good to be at Transformation Church with you today. Come on, we're believing for victory on the field. Come on, with the, come on somebody. We are believers in UT. We are not negative. We are not doubters. We are believers. Look at somebody and say, I'm a believer. And I will see the victory. And it's the color orange, somebody, in Jesus' name. Victory comes in orange. I'm telling you. 
Come on, y'all have, y'all have been, I'm, pre- I'm going to preach to y'all today. Y'all are, y'all are, y'all, I can feel y'all grumbling from my house. I know, okay? We're, gonna, we're believing for, we're supporting our family. We're supporting our city. We're supporting our brothers and sisters. We're support, we believe. Come on, don't get on that radio and dog everybody. I know, come on, guys. I know, I'm sure it wasn't any of you all. Nobody, none of y'all said one thing about the team. I get it. And so in Jesus' name, we're praying for them. We're believing for them. Come on, this is our city, somebody. We're believers, right? Amen. Amen. It's good to be with you today. We got a couple things happening. Uh, had an amazing turnout at Next Steps last week. And uh, just thank you for plugging in and jumping in and checking it out. Thank you for being a church that welcomes new people and keeps an open arm and an ex- inclusive feel of our church. Thank you so much for that. And... Um, we are also sending some money to a couple of partner churches that are helping in the Bahamas and helping up the, up the East Coast. And so uh, just so you know, as you give here generously, thank you so much that uh, we're able to funnel that and give that to some relief efforts in the Bahamas and, uh, and up in North Carolina in those areas. So we're going to be doing that this week. But um, just want to th- say thank you for your generosity. And again, we showed up and, and helped uh, KPD yesterday again and just fed lunches, some firehouse subs and some good food. And uh, to all of they posted stuff on their, Insta- on their, on their, on their Facebook about our church and, and just saying thank you. One of the officers, or a few of them said, we don't believe they'll come back. After last week, they were like, we fed them the first time, like, we don't think they'll come back. How many know that Christianity sometimes just showing back up? Just coming back, you know, and I think so often we, uh, you know, believers say one thing and do another sometimes, and so I think, I think just having a reputation of showing up is, is very powerful, whether it's at, at a KPD food event or at your job or at your home or with your marriage or, or whatever it might be, just, just saying, hey, we're showing up. And so thank you uh, for your generosity. And we're going to continue to expand that team some as we're getting some details worked out. But uh, it's just cool to be able to go and serve our community and kind of architect culture in our city. And so I think we need to be doing that everywhere we go. Um, connect groups, you guys saw that out front today, giant tent, all types of... Uh, connect groups to jump into. Hopefully you guys will jump into one of those. We're starting a new series today called Won't Conform. And I'm really going to look at relationships a little bit and, and the maturity of a body and what it looks like and, um, and what society is trying to get us to conform to or culture. And I'm going to kind of combat that. And this whole series, I'm going to deal with like the, the conforming in our mindsets kind of to maybe circumstances we've been through or crises we faced or, or maybe just culture. And so a lot of times uh, we're, we're, we're pressured to conform into a certain way of thinking and the Bible says that we're not called to conform into that type of thinking, but we're called to be transformed in our thinking and think different. And so we'll look at several verses today, and then I want to pray with you. I think it'll be a powerful uh, word. I really want to deal with some of the thoughts of our mind and heart and uh, help us out. First service, we saw four people give their life to Christ. Come on. Four, last week, 13 people said yes to eternity. And so thank you for being a church that just welcomes people like that of all places and races and faces. And it's just cool to see uh, God doing some things. So won't conform. Some new merch out there at our cafe area, our, uh, our, 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 our merchandise area. So if you want a shirt, if you like some of this, I'm modeling it today for you. Uh, down 20 pounds. Come on, somebody. I know I look good. I know. I know. Uh, you didn't have to say anything. I'll say it for you. And... Uh, Anyway, um, you know, uh, if you like, we got some sweatshirts and we got some shirt, uh, some of these uh, green colored shirts out there. Won't conform. It's going to be a cool uh, little shirt to have. So uh, Proverbs 23, 7, and then we're going to look at Romans 12, 2. Proverbs 23, 7 says this. I want you to know, I've been accused uh, lately on Facebook of, um, of 
of, uh, you know, you know, you've kind of, you're going in the right direction when people start taking shots at you uh, on Facebook. And so I, I didn't even, I don't even have Facebook, but someone said, hey, and, and it wasn't on my Facebook. They put it on our church's Facebook and they said, oh, that church transformation church, that's the one that twists all the scriptures. I'm like, yeah, there, here we go. Yeah. They're the, they're the ones that, that you don't use the Bible. Okay. There we go. Which is it? Do we use the scripture and twist it or do we don't use it? You know? Um, <laughs> And then, and then they said, and then another guy, he said that we're into universal uh, law. We like universal law, like, like the law of attraction. It's one of the universal laws. I'm like, well, didn't God create the universe? And isn't there, aren't there laws that govern the universe? And so, so I was kind of getting, a, you know, accused of universalism in that way. But I just want to say something to you. If you look at the scriptures and, and the thing they kind of were accusing that or our church of is saying, you, you just say one thing and get it. Or you just, you just say something and it attracts to your life or, or the law of positive attraction. The reality is that's very biblical. It, it, it's called God. It's called sow and reap. It's called what you say you see. And, and, I, and there's several verses, and, and I'm, I'll have one on the screen for you, but another one that I thought of, there's a scripture, you've heard me teach it, it says that the, that the spirit of life and death are in the tongue, or the power of life and death are in the tongue. The word power in the Hebrew there is a very interesting word, it's yod, and that word is translated hand. So it says that the death and life are in the hand of the tongue. It's weird that the Hebrews translated the word power for hand there, because in other places, it's not translated hand. It's saying that whatever you're saying, your tongue is actually grabbing. Your tongue is a hand, and it actually grabs things that we talk about and say. Here's a verse, Proverbs 23, 7. This is huge uh, for our thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you're thinking about, you're becoming. Whatever you're thinking on, that's coming into your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Romans 12 says this, and do not be conformed to this world. The word conformed is like forced into a jello mold or poured into a mold or fit into that type of thinking uh, as the world thinks. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My title for today is uh, Red Flags in the Fuse Box. Red Flags in the Fuse Box. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, just, just Holy Spirit, conform, uh, transform us. We don't want to conform to what our crisis has been or what our situation has been or circumstance. Transform us. Transform our thinking. Transform our heart. You said that you would transform us so we could prove the perfect, acceptable goodwill of God. Lord, let us as individuals, we can't do it in our own strength and our self-effort and our self-will. But Holy Spirit, you can come in and transform us into the image of Jesus. Jesus, we want to see you today by the power of the Holy Spirit so we can become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Red flags in the fuse box. I did a renovation project at my house a couple years ago, and um, I'm not a construction guy. Uh, I can hold tools. I can move ladders. I can, um, you know, say, you know, follow orders, stand there and hold that. You know, I can do that. But uh, as far as, you know, electrical work or plumbing work, I actually learned some plumbing work with a friend. But um, I, how, how do you know that I had a guy that knew electrical work? <laughs> had a buddy, you know, anybody that knows a buddy that knows electrical, that's not a good start to the project. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, he's like, I got, I know some electrical work and you should probably hire a professional that's certified in that area. And uh, I decided to get the guy in. I'm going to trust him. Like, yeah, okay. He pulls all these. He's got the tools. He's got the meters. He's got the readers. He's got all that stuff. Comes into my house and begins to work. I think it'd be a couple day project, maybe five day. I don't know, you know, a few days. We're living in the basement two weeks with no power. He come by, stuff hanging out the walls, wires hanging. He's got clips. He's like, man, I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure it out. He's like, I think I got it figured out. I'd come back and, and, uh, and we'd flip a light switch and get, like, get shocked with the light. The light switches were hot. I'm like, ah, I'm like, dude, bro. I mean, I think, 
the light switches are not wired right. You know, something's wrong. He's like, I got it figured out. We come back and we flip another switch and the disposal, we flip to turn the light on and a disposal would come on in the kitchen. I'm like, what in the world's happening? And then he finally went to my breaker box and then I have a fuse box in the garage and a breaker box downstairs and the breaker box was wired all wrong and they had different fuses that, or breakers that weren't the size that were supposed to be and stuff that wasn't labeled right and you couldn't tell what anything was. And so as he was trying to fix stuff, it just wasn't wired right in the house. And then in my garage, he's like, let's go check the garage and I had fuse box out there. It didn't have anything to do with the house at all, but he's out there searching in the fuse box for my house. I'm like, dude, I got to call in an electrician. It was a mess. There was, there was a lot of problems in my fuse box and in my breaker box. And there was some, some faulty wiring that had to be addressed first. I got some pictures of some, of some dangers in the fuse box. Check out some of these pictures. See this picture? This is a fuse box. You might not recognize. Do you see that penny and the one that's green? There's a penny in that fuse. Fuses and breakers are meant to protect the house from burning down, okay? And so what happens is there's too much power coming in on that line, and it keeps tripping or blowing that fuse. You have to take it out and buy a new one. Well, it keeps blowing because there's too much power. So what people do is they take a copper penny, shove it in there so the, so the fuse never blows. And then you can put as much power as you want into the house, but then the house burns down, right? Woohoo! A lot of us put one cent thinking into our mind and think our house isn't going to burn down. Uh-oh. Look at this next one. This is a bad day. That's what my house looked like for a while. It's a couple fuses that are sparking. Here's the third one that I want to deal with today as well. This is a great one. Look at that. Here's what it says. Do not touch any of these wires. None of them. And this is why I'm going to touch some wires today in your mind. I'm going to touch some wires in your, in your, in your fuse box because your mind and your thinking is the fuse box and the breaker box of your life. And, and the way that you get wired in your mind and your thinking processes are actually what determines your life and the direction of your life. And the Bible tells us right here, it says that we need really an upgrade in our wiring, an upgrade in our thinking. And, and so you and I need to really take inventory of our mind and go, okay, God, change some things. Show me some things. Romans 12 says this, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind, of the mind. All change, all transformation starts in your mind. Everything starts in your thinking. If you can get your mind right, you can get your life right. If you can get your head out, you can get your life out. Come on, somebody. If you can get your head out of the way you think, if you can get your head out of that failure, out of that circumstance, out of that crisis, sometimes the hardest part's getting the head out, right? Come on, ladies. Come on, moms. Some of y'all just got that. That's science. You know, that, that, the reality is sometimes we, the hardest part is getting our thinking out, getting our head out. It says we're not going to be conformed to old patterns of thinking, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Write this down. You can't have new power with a negative mindset. You, you cannot get new things from God a new power in your life and new directions with a negative mindset or, or the wrong polarity in your mind. Come on. You, if your mind is in, in the negative polarity, you can't get the right life. Negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. It can't. And we're all human. And so I'm just going to, I'm preaching to me today. I'm preaching to you today. I'm going to pastor you today with some real truth. And the reality is the direction of our mind matters. The polarity of your mind matters. Have you ever had those toys? Come on, anybody. You've had like, they have like 17 AAA batteries, the smallest ones there are. There's 15 screws on the toy to get the thing off, to put the batteries in. You put all the batteries in, you get them all lined out. You put the 15 screws back in, close it all up and the thing won't work. You're like, ah, Oh, and you take the 15 screws back out and dig through the tiny little batteries that you can barely see. By the way, I'm having to use readers now for the first time in my entire life. It's, 
demonic, man. I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not even admitting it yet. I mean, fully. I'm admitting it to you, but I'm not giving in to the action of it. Like, I can't, I can't do it. And so um, I've prided myself on 2020 from the time I was an infant, you know. And so I, anyway, I, 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 you know, you put all those batteries. You can't even read the po- positive, negative polarity. You put them in. You take the thing back off. You flip them all around and try to change the batteries. You put it back in. It doesn't work. And by five times later, you finally get all the batteries facing in the right polarity. The direction of your mind matters. Stuff won't work if there's negative polarity in your mind all the time. Colossians says it this way. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on the positive, not the negative. Set your mind on the upward call, not the downward call. Set your mind upward. If you can get your thinking right, you can actually get your life right. If you can think right, you can live right. I'm not saying this is an answer to to every problem you're facing, but there's a lot of things you're facing that it is an answer to. And let me say this, positive thinking is not a replacement for God. Positive thought and positive mindset is a response to God. It's not a replacement for God. It's a, it's a response to what he is and what he said and the victory is his. And he turns everything the enemy meant for evil to good. And we begin to respond in a different mindset. We don't conform to the negativity of culture and mind and circumstance. We, we get, be, we're transformed by the thoughts of God in our life. You cannot have a new power with negative polarity in your life. Oftentimes, come on, we're human. Our minds kind of dissolve or, or devolve into negativity. And I don't know about you. Come on, any, anywhere. It's easy for me. Come on. It's easy, easy, easy for me to see what's wrong, to find what needs evaluated, to fix something. We're wired to fix it, to see it, to find it, to fix it, especially a lot of guys are that way. And so, so my wife just wants to share feelings sometimes, and I'm fixing stuff. She's like, don't fi- Just listen. So I'm trying to learn, like, how to do that. I'm not, I'm not good at that. I talk for a living. <laughs> you know, I just, so, so just the reality is that we have to begin to not go into the negative. So none of us ever wake up going, I want a terrible negative day. I want a terrible day today. It's going to be horrific. But, but many of the thoughts that we have throughout the day lead us into that day or lead us into that thought process. The reward for negativity is more negativity. You, I'm, I know it's going to be a little bit quiet today because y'all, because they're like, mm. the reward for negativity is more negativity. And here, here's, here's scriptural proof. Write this down. What you look for, you find. Whatever you're looking for, you find. And again, people might accuse me. Well, that's just universal law. That's just the law of attraction. That's just, you know, it's Bible. Proverbs eleven seven. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. Come on, what you look for, you find. God made your mind to work that way. God made your your thinking to work that way. Whatever you search for, you're going to see more of. Here's the actual psychological thought behind it. Any psychologist in here, you probably know this guy. If you studied, he's a Stanford professor named Arnold Zwicky. Come on, everybody say Zwicky. Somebody needs that nickname, Zwicky. But, but his, you, can, you can call it this. He named it the frequency illusion, or it's called the Zwicky. The frequency illusion or the Zwicky. And this is how it works. It's where you begin to stare at something or you begin to focus on something, you see more of it in your life. And it's this weird phenomenon that the more you focus, the more it comes into your life and you see it everywhere. And you begin to actually think it's everywhere all the time. So whatever you're staring at causes you to feel that there's more of it in your life. And there's two things behind this Zwicky process. Listen, the number one is is called selective attention. And the second one is called uh, confirmation bias. And so this is how it works. You're like, wow, this I didn't know I was coming to a a lecture at a class today. This is going to help you. So 
So the first thought, selective attention, you've all focused or or seen this in your life when you've gone to shop for a car. Anybody shop for a car? You're online, you're looking for a car, looking for a car, looking for a car. You find the one you like, and then you're studying it, you're looking at it, and you go out to drive in Knoxville, and you see that car everywhere. You're like, they're everywhere. This is an amazing car. I made the right decision. This is a great... For me, I'll go the opposite. I'm like, everybody's got that car. I don't want that one. I'm getting something else. You know, I don't. And, and you see it and you're like, man, why did they get my car? You know, I, and so and so it's 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 crazy that you begin. To, there's no more of those cars. You think there's more everywhere. There's no more. You're just actually focusing on that car. And now you're seeing it more and more and more. And you're going, oh, there's one. Oh, yeah, there's one. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that. There's one. And then something called confirmation bias kicks in where your subconscious notices that you've given it recognition for recognizing a pattern out there. And your subconscious likes to be patted on the back by the master, which is you. And so now the subconscious goes, oh, you recognize that I brought that pattern to you. You like that? Okay, I'll go get more for you. And I'll go get more for you. And I'll show you more. And so this is what happens with negativity. What we begin to focus on, it begins to come into our life. It's called the frequency illusion. The reward for negativity is more negativity. Here's what it looks like at work. They're, they're mean to me. They don't like me. My spouse always does that. He's, he, she's this, she's that. Oh, 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 they're, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna not, they're gonna reject me. So then every joke that's told, you're like, see? Every conversation that's had around, you're like, man, it's about me. Everything that someone else is invited to that you're not, oh, see, see, there it is. See, there it goes. See, there it is. There it is again. See, there it is. Yep, there it goes again. Yep, yep, that's what they do. Yep, yep, this is my life. No, it's not. It's the story you're writing. And we conform into this story. And your subconscious likes the fact that you recognize the pattern. It goes, okay, I'll find more negativity. I'll find more problems in your spouse. I'll find more problems in your boss. I'll find more problems in your coworkers. I'll find more problems around you. I'll find more problems in relationships. And it's a crazy story, but it can be used in reverse. Listen to me. It can be used opposite where you can begin to go, wait a minute, I'm not just going to look for the negative. I'm actually going to find the positive. I'm going to see what's good. I'm going to see what's lovely. I'm going to see what's a good report. I'm going to see what's God. I'm going to see what's pure. And you begin to say, okay, mind. And now all of a sudden your subconscious goes, wait a minute, this is a different person, not gossiping on Facebook and blasting everybody. What'd you do with that sarcastic, mean person? I don't know what's happening, but it's not the same person. It's not the one that's negative around everybody. It's not the one that's a victim all the time. Wait a minute. You're, this is a different person. And he goes, oh, oh, you're going to find good. Okay, okay, let's find. And then we see, okay, there's God moving. There's God working. There's God doing. So there, and it begins to bring to you the God things and the God thoughts and the God. And you're like, well, my life's a pretty good story. It begins to change and the beauty that we see and the Praises that we see. What if we began to praise instead of pouting? What if we began to encourage instead of being critical? What if we were grateful instead of grumbling? Come on, let us not conform, guys. I can't conform. We can't conform. Uh, it's interesting. Here, here's uh, Wednesday night. We had a team night, and we, we it was an amazing team night. We had a lot of our team. I'd love you to get on a team. We worshiped for an hour plus together. And I, I'll be honest, like I was, I didn't want. I mean, coming up to team night, I was getting hit with negative thoughts and negativity, and like yeah, and yeah, and just it just felt. I could feel it. I didn't like it. I was like, I don't even want to go. I'm the pastor. Like it's bad when I don't want to be at church. 
I was like, I don't even want to go. You know, we, and, 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 I came, and I began to worship on the front row. One song in, Pastor Emery and the team leading, hands in the air, and I just felt it lifting off me. I could actually feel it down me. And, and here's what's amazing. The, thing, the fact that it was lifting off me isn't great. I mean, I, I'm glad it did, but it gave me insight into the battle of my mind that actually is taking place and the enemy trying to put oppression and, and depression and things after. It's a cloud that tries to come after us sometimes, and worship is such a, a, such a, a warfare tool to get that stuff off of us. That's why we come in here and worship. And so, so I think that we're not going to conform to negativity. I want to say this. You can't control what you think. Thoughts come into your mind, but you can control what you think about. Boom, I, I thoughts there. Oh, what's that? I'm not gonna th- and then all of a sudden you think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. And then you begin to feel a certain way because whatever you think about determines how you feel. However you think about it determines what you feel about it. And so we're not going to conform. When it comes to relationships, I'm going to talk about that today. we got Connect Group Rally out there. And sometimes we conform to, to certain things in our culture because of circumstance, crisis, relationships that went bad, different situations that you faced, hurts, traumas, whatever it might be. And what culture wants you to conform to when it comes to relationships is this, independence. Independence. That you don't need anybody, that you're gifted and talented, that they don't like you anyway, that you're rejected, that I'm just going to live independently. It doesn't affect anybody. Can I tell you that the answer to some of your prayers are probably sitting on your row right now? And the reality is that maybe you can't fight the battle of faith, but someone on that row might have faith for you. And it might just be a conversation and a handshake. It might just be how my name is. And then all of a sudden something comes from God and, and a breakthrough begins to happen. We, it's, but, but, but culture wants us to conform to independence. They don't need me. They don't like me. I'll isolate. They'll need them anyway. I'm gifted. My way or the highway. I can do what I need to do. Doesn't affect anybody else. But kingdom transformation is interdependence. That we all are connected. We need each other. You have a gift. You have a gift. You have a call. You have a call. You have a call. And on your row, you are connected. You are needed. You are unified in the things of God. And we have to be interdependent in our homes, in our kids, in our marriages, at our workplaces, at our church. And it is tough to do it. It's not easy because all of culture wants us to conform to our way. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's easy to want our way or the highway. And so some thoughts about being mature, Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter four. And I'm just going to read through the message version. And some of it will be on the screen. Some of it won't. I'll read some large chunks of it. And then on the screen will be the the thoughts I want to highlight. And um, it's very important that Paul talks to us about unity and maturity, that we would actually not be independent, but interdependent. And it takes, hear me, it takes great maturity to be interdependent. It's not going to happen easily. It's not going to happen by accident. And, and, and Paul says this in, in chapters one through three of Ephesians, he gives us an amazing picture of what we've been given freely in Christ. All of Christ's riches, all of Christ's glory, all of that through faith and grace. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It was all given to us. And then he says in chapter 4, he starts it out, in the light of all this. And it's a chapter on maturity and the body working together and us being a church and a family. It says, in the light of all this, in the light of what I told you in chapter 1 through 3, in the light of all the riches of Christ, of his death, of, of his resurrection, of the power he's given you, in the light of all that, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner of the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Don't go off on your own. And, and, and mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Come on. It's going to take humility and discipline to not run off paths that don't lead to anywhere on our own. Not in fits and starts. Come on. Sometimes it's like, I'm in, I'm not in. 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 Some of y'all living in your marriage like that. That's why it's not going anywhere. 
Living in your job like that. Living in your church like that. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert, noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. Come on, this takes humility. Paul's saying, I've given you all this in Christ. Now I need you to live this way. Four, verse 4, it says, you were called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. Come on, listen to that. Both outwardly and inwardly. Seth, come on. Would you come up here with me? Come up here with me, John. Come on, a couple other guys. Come on, a couple. I don't know. Anybody else? Give me two more people. Come up here with me. Nope. All right, yeah, just, there you go. That's fine. Three of us. Or four, three of y'all. Yeah, that's fine. So, so, so it says that we would stay together. Let's all line up this way. We're going to walk that way. And it says that we're going to travel the same road, and we're going to stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. And so, so we can all have the same action, and we're going to be walking this way together. But all of a sudden, one of these guys could be grumbling like, man, no one like, but they don't notice me and they don't use my gift. And what am I? Why don't I get to pray for anybody? And I mean, why is this guy on the prayer team? But this guy's not. And they might be grumbling on the inside and just, and just all of a sudden their attitude's taking a certain thing. Listen to me. The point on the screen is this, that unity is an, added, is an action and attitude. A lot of times we think it's just an action. Oh, well, I'm unified. I'm going to church. Oh, yeah, we're listening to the pastor. Oh, yeah, we're going to say, oh, yeah, I'm showing up there. That's action. But you could be doing the actions and not be unified in your attitude inside of your heart, whether it's your marriage or showing up, whatever it might be. We have to guard the attitude. Just because we're doing the same action and traveling in the same direction and staying together on the road doesn't mean we're unified in attitude. Come on. Thank you, guys. So really, if you could look into the spirit of that, Different people could be at different levels on that road and, 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 and grumbling inwardly. My point is, you and I, if we're going to be mature in relationships, have to guard our attitude because the attitude will always determine the action eventually. If you're divided in your attitude and your action, you have division inside of you, and it will eventually lead you into a place because you were divided. Does that make sense? And so when we're walking together, unity is built on attitude and action, not just, not just action. Guard it, guard it, guard it. Uh, he goes on to say this. But, but you, you have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, one father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. I mean, Paul's saying this maturity requires a tough, you know, figuring out oneness. And then verse 7, it says this, but that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. I love that verse. Write this down. We're unified but unique. We're unified, but unique. It doesn't mean, come on, unity doesn't mean uniformity. We as a church have bought into the, the thought of uniformity that we all have to be alike. We all have to look alike. Everyone has to believe the same way, vote the same way. Like if they're going to be in my connect group, if they're going to come to my church, if they're going to be a Christian, they've got to vote the same way, vote alike, think alike, drink alike, pray alike. Come on, somebody. That's what the church has done. Everybody's got to pray the same, and they believe in tongues, and they don't. They believe in prophecy, and they don't. They better pray like this. And so you, well, they got to pray like this. You got to pray like this, and you can't drink this, and you can't do that. And if you do this, you can't. You got to look like that, and you got to vote like this, and you got to. If you're going to be, and no, 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 that's uniformity. That's not unity. And we've confused it. And what happens is we attack each other when we don't have uniformity. Here's why: because you've taken your idea and exalted it as an idol. And now, if anybody attacks your idea, it's actually become your identity. Instead of your identity being in God and Christ and what he's done, there's non-negotiables. Jesus is the son of God, born of a virgin, raised, you know, died, crucified, raised from the dead on the third days, coming back again for the church. And in his name, there's salvation. That's what we're unified around, right? But it's not uniformity where we all think and look and act alike. I, wrote, I put it this way. 
I think we've, we've treated the church like the country club too much, too often. Come on, I'm a, I'm, I, listen, some of y'all might be a member of the country club. I'm going to preach truth today. Uh, you know, have you ever been to, so, so the country club, is everybody looks alike, everybody smells alike, everybody drives alike, everybody has the same, everybody makes about the same type of money, everybody has the same skin color. Uh-oh. Everybody's gossiping about the same thing of last year. Look at her Botox. Her booty's so big this year. I don't know. I mean, it's like, and, and if you're not a member, like, you feel weird going there, right? You're like, you don't fit in. It doesn't feel right. Like, like, you know, you can't even belong unless you have a member with you. It's like, no, 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 no. It's exclusive. I went to pick my son up from a country club there. They felt weird on the parking lot premises. I was like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to drive here. I grew up on the public pool, somebody. Come on. I mean, it's crazy. All faces, all races, all colors, all skin, all moms, all dads, all ages, all fa- I mean, jumping in the pool on top of each other, you could drown. It was, a, it was, a, it was insanity. Like, everybody in, breaks over. Ah, kid pooped in the pool. Where's his parents? We don't know. Doesn't have any. Let's, let's just take him in. Get him out of the pool. Come on. Put a chlorine bomb in the thing. Shock it all. Get back in. Our skin's melting off. Can't see. Chlorine Everybody in the pool, right? Come on, any public pool people? That's what the church is supposed to be. Everybody in. Everybody welcome. Might be crazy every now and then. That's unity. But we're still unique. It says, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us has been given his own gift. The text, this is the text for us. He climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. That's a date night message. I love that verse. It's in the Bible, folks. I'm just going to read it to you again. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. (laughs) My daughter's closing her ears and my wife is ready for a date. Come on, girl. (laughs) I'm in trouble. He handed it it all out in gifts to the people. It's not true. Is it not true that one who climbed also climbed down, down to the valley of earth? And the one who climbed down is the one that climbed back up in the highest heaven and he handed out gifts above and below. Filled heaven with gifts and filled earth with gifts. He handed out gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher to train Christ's followers in servant and skilled servant work working within Christ's body, the church. This is us. Listen to this. Here's why. Here's why he gave us gifts. Here's why you're called. Here's why you have gifts. Until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Come on, I can't, I can't even dance by myself. Until we're all rhythmic with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Listen to that key point. Efficient and graceful, moving rhythmically and easily with, with each other in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. That we would move rhythmically and gracefully. That the master actually gives us direction. Like it's tough to, to learn to, to dance. But think about dancing with someone else. They say the hardest part of like tango or salsa or ballroom dancing is not learning the steps. It's learning to work with a partner. And what that looks like dancing with that partner. Paul's saying, do you know how hard it is to, to move rhythmically and gracefully with each other and easily? And there's no way you're going to be, be able to do it unless you respond to the son Jesus. Usually we're responding to everything else. 
responding to the envy, responding to the anger, responding to how they, how they abused us, responding to the situation, responding to the hurt, responding to the attitudes, responding to the jealousy, the envy, the boss, the popularity, the negative thinking. They don't like me. They overlook me. Responding to, to a coworker or a spouse or a circumstance or a crisis. It says you can never walk rhythmically in relationships if you're responding to anything but Jesus. Write this down. Rhythmic relationships are a response to Jesus. He leads the music. He writes the sheet music. We're connected to him, man. We lose our rhythm. Listen, you lose your rhythm in life and relationship if you respond to all the junk. We're all going to get a chance to respond to all that negativity, right? It's daily. And we can conform to that. Or we could say, wait a minute, I'm going to respond to Jesus. Come on, he went to a cross. He was silent when they accused him. He went to a cross and was beaten and bruised. And I'm going to respond in humility. I'm going to respond in servanthood. I'm going to respond in lowliness. I could get revenge, but I'm not going to. I could be right, but I'm not going to. I'm going to respond in, in, in calling, in purpose, in gifting. I'm going to respond in, in I'm sorry. I'm going to respond in forgiveness. I'm going to respond in, in repentance. I'm going to respond to Jesus, not the situation around me. I'm going to respond with humility. I'm going to respond with faith and victory. And I was wrong. And come on, let's keep moving together. Anybody? It says that we only can, can move in rhythm if we're responding to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. Verse 14, I love this. No prolonged infancies among us, please. Come on, that should be a code word in some of our houses. I think we have a prolonged infant at home. <laughs> Don't say that to your spouse because you could be in trouble, but that might be good. Like, I think you're a little bit of a prolonged infant today in this argument. I sense a diaper and some prolonged infancy. <laughs> I sense some prolonged infancy. This is not good marriage advice, to, to actually, but, but it's valuable. Paul's just saying, don't be the prolonged infant. Come on, we've all been there, right? We all want to shape our way and get our way and make it our way. And if we don't get our way, it's the highway. And, it's all, and, and, we, and we become these prolonged, immature infants. Instead of saying, okay, hey, hey it's going to take some work to be mature. It's going to take some work to respond to God's son. Verse 15, it says this, we will not tolerate babies in the woods. <laughs> That's good. Small children who are an easy mark for imposters. Here's why Paul didn't want to tolerate it, because immaturity breeds imposters. Immaturity attracts imposters. The imposter of pride, the imposter of envy, the imposter of jealousy, and the imposter of, of anger and purity. When we walk in immaturity with each other, it attracts these imposters. And as the Apostle Paul, he didn't want your life wrecked. He didn't want my life wrecked. He didn't want me conforming to thinking of imposters. He says, we got to grow up into Christ. He goes on and he says in verse 16, Ephesians 4, 16, it'll be on the screen for you. It says, we're connected to Christ. And listen to this. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. He's saying that every part, you and me, all of us do our share, that you're called, you're gifted, you have something inside of you that is called to work and do its part, connected to each other, interdependent, not independent of each other. And when you do that, this thing gets stronger and stronger in love. All right now, I'm standing here and I got a skeleton on the inside of me. I preached with it the other night. Each of you has a skeleton on the inside of you. You can't see that. If it wasn't in me, though, I'd be a sack of skin on the floor. I mean, it's an important part of my body, but it's never seen. 
Some of you think, well, you're not vital because you're not seen, or I don't, I don't know my gift, or I'm not, I'm not in this, or I'm not on the platform, or I'm not singing, or I don't know my gift, I'm just out here. I hear people all the time, well, I'm just security. I'm just, yeah, I'm just doing this now. Then there's no just. Write this down. Just because you're not seen doesn't mean you're not significant. I mean, most of our vital organs are on the inside of us. We never see them. And so for us to know that, man, you are significant. You are called. We need you. I need you. You need the person next to you. We are interdependent, and we cannot conform to an independent thought process. Listen to me. What if we decided that no, no one cared who got the credit? What could God do? What, what, could, what could happen in our church if no one cared who got the credit? I mean, it would be an amazing thought, a rhythmic dance, and we're connected to Jesus. If we don't stay connected to Jesus, responding to him, it gets weird, guys. We get hurt. It gets weird. I mean, we, we have to stay connected to him. I'm going to pray for you today. And I think it's important that we decide not to conform and we let Christ's mind be in us. And our team's up here. We've got an amazing, talented team. Y'all come on out and take your spots. I, I think that this team is gifted and talented and called. And each of them has a purpose inside of them. And I just want you guys to show off for a minute. Like, like just show us your talent. Show us what you can do. And just take a minute. Listen, they're going to show you what they can do. They got gifts and talents. Y'all do your thing and show us what you can do. gifted man they got talents and gifts in each of them called by God the church of God Holy Spirit empowered it's amazing wait a minute okay okay wait wait, wait. I know y'all are gifted talent. let's get on the same page how about we get the same action going y'all get on one song let's get one song show us what you can do with one song y'all do your part do your thing let's get one song Yeah, their actions are the same. The song is the same. Their actions the same. They're singing the same song. They got the same notes in front of them, but they're doing their own part. Now watch what happens when they actually decide to get unified around a mission, around a vision, and begin to decide to prefer one another and defer to one another and practice and apologize and work together every Tuesday night and put something together for the glory of God. Come on. Come on, stand to your feet with us. together and we have gifts and talents that are connected to a cause bigger than ourselves and we decide that we're going to go in a response to Jesus in a mission with Jesus the other stuff didn't impact us in a positive way come on the church has too long been trying to impact the world all divided and independent showing up and doing our own thing and and what happens if we decide that we're not going to conform to negativity and 
a mindset of culture, but interdependence with each other. I want to pray for you today, and I believe that some of you are getting rewired just in this moment. If you're in this place, head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you just say, Jamie, man, I, I've been conforming to negativity. I've been looking for it, and I've been finding it. It's kind of a self-fulfilled prophecy in my life, and I, I need a shift. I need a rewiring. I want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit power. I, I, need, I, need, to, I need the power of God to change some of the ways I think. I'm not going to just keep giving in to, to independence, and I can do my own thing, and no one needs me. I don't need them. I don't know, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in a, in a marriage. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's at church. I'm not sure. A relationship, whatever a sports team but if today you'd say I don't want to conform any longer I, I need I need to be transformed in my thought process in my in my relationships in other areas I need that help from God just put your hand up to me right now anybody in this place come on across the room father you see every hand you know every heart Lord it's easy to see the negative Lord, we want to find more of the God thing more of the good thing more of the generous one more of the the kind one more of the glorious one Lord. We thank you for a church that's unified. Everyone has a talent, a gift, a calling. Everyone is vital. If you're in this place, no one looking around for a second. Maybe you're not right with God. Maybe you've never surrendered to God. Maybe the rhythm of your life has been to your own beat and your own drum. Maybe you've been trying to, to live rhythmically in relationships or life or whatever it might be. And you know you're struggling. You know you've never surrendered to Christ. The Bible says this. If you would just give your life to Jesus, not, not denomination, not rules, not not regulation, not church even, just if you'd surrender to a relationship with Jesus, He actually gives you a rhythmic relationship with God full of grace and life and eternity. That Jesus came to this planet, died on a tree to remove all your sin, shame, guilt, fear. He removed it to give you a brand new life. The Bible says if you would surrender to Him, you get a fresh start in God. I'm just going to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. But if you're in this place and you know you need a fresh start with God, you need a rhythmic relationship with God, it's ready, you're ready to surrender to Jesus today. Not because your parents did, not because your grandparents, not going to church, but saying, God, really take the leadership of my life. I give you my life. On three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up to me. One, two, three. If that's you, just put your hand up. Let me pray for you. Thank you for your honesty and boldness. Come on, God bless you. Anybody else, put it up so I can pray for you high. I need a fresh start with Jesus today. I'm ready to actually surrender my life. Awesome. God bless you. Come on, church. Several people saying yes. Your brothers and sisters right now saying yes to eternity. Yes by, the, by faith to the Holy Spirit coming in their life and making them brand new. If you just said yes like this, the Bible says just simply, old things are passed away and all things are new. Everything's new. Right now, by saying yes to Jesus, shame is removed, guilt is removed, sin is removed, past, present, and future. You're a brand new creation in God, full of the Spirit of God. I'm going to pray a quick prayer, and you can just make it your own prayer. You can pray after me, but I'm just going to pray. We're just going to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me, removing my sin and my shame and my guilt. I give you my life and the leadership of my life, Lord. I surrender. Be my Lord and my leader today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God praise this morning, guys. We are not going to conform any longer in Jesus' name.